This weekend is special for many reasons. Uh, tomorrow we celebrate the 246th birthday of this nation. But for my family and I, it's also special because it was three years ago, the first Sunday of July, that I walked into this building for the first time as your pastor. We've had a journey, haven't we? <laughs> we've had some wonderful times. We've had some times of challenge, but we know through all of it that God is real and that God is good. So we just thank him for that. First Kings chapter 18, my subject this morning is the idols in our land. You know, growing up, I lived in a home with three children, boys, of which I was the oldest. And during the summer months especially, my mom would be focused on trying to keep the three of us busy. Because sitting around the TV and just being couch potatoes wasn't her thing. She believed, as many did and do, the old saying that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Now, in that phrase, the word idle, the way it's spelled, it literally means not occupied or employed with anything, not focused or being used on things that are appropriate. It would often get used in agricultural terms for idle farmland that wasn't being used for its intended purpose. Uh, it also has a definition of being uh, of lacking worth or foundation where we get the term idle chatter or even idle pleasure. And another definition of the word idle would be shiftless or lazy. Basically, I grew up thinking that being idle was not a good thing. Now, what, while this kind of idle is not my focus today, there are a number of similarities between that kind of idol and the idols that we worship in our culture today. Our society is overrun with idols. People today worship all kinds of things. We worship celebrity. We worship traditions. We worship the process or practice of even worship. We worship ideologies, which is why there's so much division in our nation today. The easy one, people worship money. They worship status or class or tribe or ethnic focus. People worship beauty or physical pleasure. People worship youth or security. Now, I want to be clear here that these preferences, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with being young. There's nothing wrong with being beautiful. But when these preferences make us so inflexible and they become such a part of our desire that we actually give up everything else and begin to truly worship them, then they become an idol. And I submit that our country is a land of idols. Not to say that many don't believe in God, they claim they do, but so many have other things they prefer to base their lives on, things they prefer 
to be their source of comfort and peace. Things that they're happier with than the God who created them. It's often been said, and the Bible proclaims this as well, you can tell a lot about a nation by the gods that they serve. And the thing is, in recent years, it's one thing, because our land has been a land of idols for a long time, but in recent years, there's been no effort whatsoever to hide it. Because of this, on this 4th of July weekend, my heart wants to honor the Lord. And I want to honor this land as well and the foundations of this nation. But I've been led to be attentive to where we are today, a land of idol worshipers. The prophet Elijah could relate. This chapter in 1 Kings is the story of the prophet coming against 850 false prophets of Baal. There was a famine in the land. And King Ahab, the king of Israel, was looking for someone to blame. He perceived in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17, that Elijah was a troubler of Israel. Seems to me I've heard that line before. That when anything goes wrong in our culture, when anything goes wrong with different things, let's find someone to blame. Ah, Christians, they're an easy target. Even John Lennon's famous song, Imagine, has the line basically that's saying to imagine that there's a world with no religion or faith because that's what the problem with the world is. Believing in Jesus, it's not what's wrong with our culture. Not believing in Jesus is what's wrong with our culture. So 1 Kings chapter 18, I'll begin reading in verse number 17. Then it happened when King Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, and that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azariah who eat at Jezebel's table. I don't know if you've noticed, maybe you have, but true Bible-believing Christians are becoming a minority in this country. Because of that, we're an easy target. Christians are not to blame for America's ills. It is not those who follow Jesus that have created this mess. It is those who have not followed Jesus who have created this mess. Like Ahab, they have followed other gods. So Elijah says, yo, king, I threw that in there. Let's settle this. We'll bring two bulls, cut them into pieces, one for you guys, one for me, and put no fire under them. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 24, then you call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So this standoff, this competition begins. 
The prophets of Baal do everything they could, if you read in the succeeding verses. They jumped up and down and shouted. They ran up and down the aisles. They jumped over pews. They cut themselves, so the Bible says that blood was gushing out all over the place to show their devotion. They even declared prophecies. Haven't you noticed that people will do almost anything to prove that Jesus is not the way? They will go to any length, drink as much of anything, inject as much of anything, be involved in any type of poor relationship just to prove Jesus is not the way. The prophets of Baal do this. Shockingly, nothing. Not one sound, nor any fire. I need to be clear about something. There are many people in our world today who have a true devotion to something. And the devotion itself, as a character trait, is admirable. But devotion to something is not enough. We must be devoted to the right thing. We must be devoted to something that is worthy of that devotion. And Jesus Christ is the only one worthy of our devotion. The prophets of Baal did all this and no results. And Elijah, showing his personality, got a little cheeky. First Kings chapter 18, verse 27. So it was as noon at noon, Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's meditating, or he's busy, or he's on a journey. Or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. I remember reading this this week as I'm preparing. I'm thinking, easy, Elijah. Ease up a little bit. Now, it was right given the circumstance and given the way that the king had approached and attacked Elijah to mock what was going on. My advice, teasing your friends and family about their, their ways may not be the best way to go forward. Just a piece of advice. But it's clear that there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like our Jesus. What a surprise in all of their rantings, in all of their noise, in all of their gyrations. Nothing. Baal doesn't answer. So now it's Elijah's turn. He builds the altar. He places it, the bull, on it. And then he has this clever idea. Maybe it was an anointed idea. The Bible doesn't say that God told him to do this. But he says, you know what? I'm going to make sure it's clear that no one doubts what happens here today. So not only am I going to make the altar and do it the way God tells me to do it, I'm going to pour water on this sacrifice three times. He soaked it completely through and through. No one was going to be able to say, oh, well, fire started on its own. Haven't you been in situations where it is clear to anybody who will truly be honest that what happened in your midst is God? When someone is at the end of a medical journey and the doctors have given up and all medical science has given up, but that person gets healed, it deserves to be said, God stepped in. Yeah. 
well, maybe something else happened. Yeah, and that something else has a name. His name is Jesus. So Elijah wanted to make it clear. This sacrifice was soaked. 1 Kings chapter 18 down to verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, of, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. I've gone through a lot of the portion in 1 Kings chapter 18, and yet it is these verses that are my message. Now, the way this story ends is that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes through and brings fire on the sacrifice. And we'll read that in a little, in a little bit. But my message is actually on these two verses. Three things that Elijah, or three ways that Elijah answered idol worship. And there are ways we can answer it today. First, he recognized who God is. He says, first, you are God in Israel. The idols the people of Israel were serving were not God. The idols that the people in our land that serve today are not God. Political parties are not God. America, as great as she can be, is not God. Celebrities are not God. And thank the Lord, Facebook is not God. <laughs> Throughout human history, humanity has had many idols. But they've come and gone. They've been and had their time, and then they faded away. But I'm here to declare that our God was, our God is, and our God always will be God. The wisest people on earth think they're wise because of their accumulation of knowledge. But Proverbs is clear. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Our culture wants to declare that love is love. No, the Bible is clear. God is love. And Proverbs is very clear. The most foolish thing anyone can ever say the most foolish truth anyone can ever embrace is there is no God. All of creation proclaim the glories of God. Psalm 19, verse number 1 is where I'll start. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Everything around us says there is a God in heaven. He had a son named Jesus Christ, and his spirit is alive today, working in our midst. All of creation declares not only that there is a God, but it gives him glory. And we live in a time where so much value is placed on things. Things. But things change. Many of us can remember when things were different. Now, I don't think anybody remembers riding to school or riding with their family to church in a horse and buggy. I don't think so. But I'm sure many of us can remember the time before computers, 
I know I can, even though I'm in the IT field. Many can remember that glorious anointed time before cell phones. I can remember. And do you remember we have the keyboards on our computers, that wonderful invention from years gone by called a typewriter? I remember that. Life and things change. False gods come and go. But beloved, our God never changes. His love for you never changes. His sacrifice being real for your sins never changes. He is and always will be God. History talks about great empires throughout humanity. The Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And many of these empires did have positive uh, uh, pieces. They gave us much in the way of culture and art. But they're gone. They're gone today. And they're gone mainly because in each of their histories, they rejected the Lord God and his ways. And sadly, our land today is making the same mistake. We've turned to other idols, as the people of Israel did in King Ahab's time. And Elijah would have none of it. And we need to be a people who will say, I will have none of it. I will not be part of it. I will not submit to it. I will serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will bow my knee to Jesus and him alone. <laughs> Elijah was committed to the one true God. So my first point from those verses, he recognized who God was. The second, he recognized who he was. He says, I am your servant. Now that word servant has become a dirty word today. People don't like seeing themselves or promoting themselves as servants. Because all they hear when they hear the word servant is slave. People want to believe they are the beginning and the end of their entire existence. And no one, absolutely no one, tells me what to do. Now, I'm going to give this illustration, and I'm going to do it, hopefully, without anybody throwing anything at me or getting mad at me or walking out. But whether you do or not, I'm going to give it anyway. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic when the mandates came out about wearing masks. And I remember all the conversations I listened and read and was just attentive to the various opinions on both sides of it. Now, everybody can have their own opinion about it, and some of the mandates didn't follow as they were purported to. That's not my point. When I would listen to people as they would give objections to the mandates, all I heard was not something concrete, not something scientific. All I heard was, you can't tell me what to do. I'm sorry, that's not a Christian mindset. There's nowhere in the Bible does God promote the idea that, of saying, you can't tell me what to do. And in fact, obedience is one of the hallmarks of a Christian. As we work for companies, we are servants of the company we work for. We were pleased and blessed last week to have Paola with us, a soldier in the U.S. Army. She is serving 
our nation. Being part of a family should mean and involve serving one another. Elijah knew he was a servant. And we need to know that as well. Now there, technically, are responsibilities placed upon me as the pastor of this church. And one of them is leadership. But I want it to be clear and I proclaim it. I serve this church. I'm not the boss here. I have responsibilities, but I am this church's servant. I serve my family. I serve my employer. Because the truth is, if you remember the old Bob Dylan song when you first got saved years ago, at least first made an effort to be saved, everybody serves somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You serve that which you acknowledge as higher than yourself. And that's the problem with our culture today because many people believe there's nothing higher than me. I am the be-all, end-all. What better definition or picture of the word fool? Yeah, I said it. They'd rather serve themselves than serve the living God who created them. Elijah knew who God was, and he knew who he was, and he recognized the word of God. He said, I have done all these things at your word. No nation has more copies of the Bible than America. No church has more access to the word of God than the American church. So my question is, with all these Bibles and all, these access, um, all this access, does the Holy Bible guide our lives? Does it guide our attitudes? Does it guide our interactions? Is following the word of God more important than following how I feel? Even putting together this altar, he put it together at the word of God. He gathered 12 stones to represent the... 12 tribes of Israel, even though at this point Israel was divided, he was going to look at this from God's perspective, and from God's perspective, the 12 tribes were still his people. Elijah did everything according to the word that the law instructed. So many people have made feelings their idol. They serve how they feel. Living by them rather than by the word of God. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not feeling it. Tough. Because the Bible says we need to be obedient to his word. But if I'm obedient to his word and I don't feel it, doesn't that make me a hypocrite? A, 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 a hypocrite? No, it makes you mature. Anyone when your kids were growing up ever make them go to school? They didn't always want to go to school. They didn't always feel like it. But you made them go to school because that was the mature thing to do. We don't guide everything by our feelings. We need to read his word. We need to let his word go deep within. And not just read it. We need to obey it. And do what it says. We need to be like what James says in James chapter 1. Starting at verse number 19. So then my beloved, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. 
for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I wish I could say that to every, post, um, every protester of every cause. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And then the verse we all know in verse 22. Be, but be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving only yourselves. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody but you. We all want revival. Yes, we say we do. We say we want God to move in our land. And for God to move, one of the things this nation needs to do is to tear down its idols. But before I get on this nation's back about tearing down its idols, we need to, as a church, tear down our idols. So how did this episode end for Elijah? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the soaked through and through burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that, had, that was in the trench. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. We need to tear down our idols. And for me, that always begins in the house of God, with God's people. I can't ask the world to stop being a slave to money if the church won't stop being a slave to money. I can't ask the world to stop being a slave to class and status if the church won't stop being a slave to class and status. The nation of Israel had fallen into idol worship, but then they saw the fire of God and they fell on their faces and declared that the Lord is God. Now, I have no desire to hurt anybody or to make anyone intentionally be uncomfortable or in pain, but I'm going to proclaim the word of Almighty God and stand upon the principles he has given us. And as I've said before, if you've got a problem with the things that I preach, since they're from the word of God, go talk to the author. Don't talk to me. Because they're here. And if they're not here, they're not coming out of me. I'm not looking to promote philosophies or new ideas. I want to promote what thus saith the Lord. Elijah declared it before the fire ever fell. We need to declare it now. We need to proclaim in our lives, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Church, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And he is the only one. The only one. I love this nation. I really do. If I were to look back over the course of my life and the various uh, roads and pathways it's taken, I've shared this with my family, we all have things we would change, but if there's a major thing I would change because of how much I believe in it, is I would have followed in my dad's footsteps and served in one of the military forces. It wasn't something that was promoted in my home, and it just didn't happen when I turned 18. 
because I believe in service. I believe in what these young people do. But service can come in many ways. We serve our church. We serve our families. We can serve our neighbors. We can serve one another. That is the posture of a Christian. And we declare wherever we go, why are you serving all these people? Because the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Stand with me, please.